Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa founder Alex Tiersch is in conversation with Jay Riero and Michael Bird of the law firm Bird Adotto. Welcome, everybody. This is Alex Tiersch, and you are listening to Med Spa Insider, the American Med Spa Association's podcast. And I appreciate you joining us. This is a very special event for us. We're actually like not streaming this on video, but we're recording it on video, which is both exciting and terrifying. So um, bear with us as we work that out. So this is the first time we've actually recorded, as far as video goes, a podcast. Um, so those of you who are watching for the first time, welcome. This is um, the American Med Spa Association is a um, an association of medical spas of about 4,000 members. We provide business and compliance resources as well as clinical training to, to the industry. And um, we are very, very happy to be joined today by my partners and good friends down at Bertadato in the great state of Texas, Jay Rayero and Michael Bird. Welcome, boys. How are you? Doing great. Awesome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to have you here. The we we are um, you know we like to bring you you guys on f- from time to time just to check in with what's going on in the legal world of med spas. Again, that's mostly what AmSpa does is is on the legal side. And this time we actually have a kind of a sad and, and important, I think, um, current event to talk about, which has been circulating in the news. We've posted a couple blogs on it and a bunch of stuff on our website. I know you have as, as well. And this relates to um, a death at a med spa in Texas um, from an IV treatment. Well, allegedly from an IV treatment, I should say, because there's there's still some things that are being worked out. Um, and, and for those of you who don't know what happened, um, I'll just give a quick little synopsis of it because I think it'd be good to get you caught up, and then we'll kind of jump into some of these legal issues and some of the impact on the industry because there's stuff to the hospital, but unfortunately, um, she died, and that's obviously just a terrible thing in and of itself. Um, but in our world of med spas, this has a a, a tremendous implication because, you know, it's I, I didn't want to jump to any judgment on this because you just never know. I mean, this this woman could have had a cardiac arrest sitting in the hospital. Uh, you don't know until you until you know. Um, it made national news, and with the emergence of IV therapy, just in general, we've seen a lot of of kind of bigger brands that are popping up that are doing almost exclusively IV therapy or or leaning into it, and then a lot of med spas. Uh, many of our members um, do IV therapy as well. So this obviously is something that that that, that came out, and we were interested in what was going to happen. And then recently, we had some updates just even in the past week where. Um, on October 12th, I guess that's maybe two weeks ago, the Texas Medical Board stepped in and suspended the medical license of the medical director um, without a hearing or any notice of a hearing. So they did, did this unilaterally um, because he constituted, according to them, a continuing threat to the public welfare. So that's a big deal, obviously, getting you know, getting a, a, a license suspended like that. Among other things, the order, and you can find this online, um, mentioned that the physician was basically never on site or on site maybe once. There were no medical professionals on site. There were no real um, adequate protocols or procedures in place. Unlicensed people were administering treatments without proper delegation and supervision, among other things. Um, and um, obviously, they're also looking into some of the how the, the drugs were ordered and, and prescribed and things like that. I also just um, learned the other day, according to a, a local news station, and I, so I haven't confirmed this, but this is like one of the local news affiliates, that there has been a criminal investigation opened. Um, a grand jury has been 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 seated to look into this 
um, case. And the owner of the med spa has an, uh, an attorney who released a statement which uh, in which he said it's re- regretful that this incident happened, but there's no criminal liability that can or should be attributed. They are cooperating fully and completely with the grand jury investigation, including recovering all the evidence um, as well as surveillance camera camera video. Um, The attorney said that the patient signed consent forms prior to the treatment, indicated she was not on any medications, did not have any chronic medical conditions, and was not currently under the care of a physician, which is an interesting way of, of, of saying things. Moreover, she said that the person who was administrating the um, the IV and the patient were friends, and the patient was, you know, helping her promote the med spa on um, on social media and things. Not sure what what kind of relevance, if any, that has. But um, according to what the attorney said, the the patient told the the woman who was administrating the administering the IV that she wasn't feeling well within about a half hour after being treated, um, and then collapsed and. You know that kind of led to to what's going on. The, the the other thing that is not confirmed, but that this news story wrote was that there was a final autopsy report, which I have not actually seen that yet. Um, but um, what it said was administration of intravenous therapy cannot be definitely ruled in or ruled out as a contributory um, factor to cardiac arrest at this time. Um, it listed sudden cardiac death of uncertain etiology as the manner of death. Now, I don't know if that's final or not, but that's what I've, um, that's what I've heard. So um, obviously this is a, you know, a huge story. It's a, it's a sad story. It's a tragic story for a lot of reasons. Um, And I think, you know, the main thing that it does is that it brings med spa compliance, or I guess maybe for even more succinctly med spa non-compliance into into the public eye and it's exactly the kind of thing that we've you know known was going to happen at some point um it's happened in the past uh, it happens very very rarely which is which is obviously good um and and the 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 amount of serious side effects and incidents that we have in from med spa treatments are 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 very very low but nevertheless when it happens the eyes focus on on the med spa industry. And I did also see another news story where there's some group of physicians who now is pushing for some sort of legislation. I don't know anything about that, but um, I, I did see that that was happening. I haven't read that. I haven't seen anything actually in, in introduced or anything like that. So um, with all that said, um, I know that IV therapy has been therapy has been something that that Bert Adot of the law firm has worked on quite a bit recently. Um, you have a lot of clients who who are who are doing it, and there's been some movement in some of the other uh, neighboring states about um, IV therapy, and there's been obviously a lot of questions across across the country. Just real quickly, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on on what happened and and kind of what your immediate impression was, Michael. Let's start with you, like. Okay. When you saw this this the, the, this story and 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 when you read the the temporary suspension order by the Texas Medical Board, I mean, what were your thoughts? What were your initial thoughts? Well, it's unfortunately the circle of life with new service lines. So if you go back to uh, the first time the three of us talked about you know IV therapies a couple of years ago when it started becoming a wave, there was a lot of confusion. Because you had new people coming in to try to offer these services. You had EMTs and hospital nurses, and we talked about it then. And our conclusion at the time was, ultimately, this is the practice of medicine, and it's regulated that way. And uh, and, and I I know Jay can touch on a moment how 
the state, several states are starting to affirm that. So what also happens is um, that uh, at, at some point, an incident will happen and uh, and it brings uh, you know the the scrutiny from the enforcement bodies into that treatment and it and it can reshape not only the enforcement of it and interpretation of it but also bring in pretty strict laws that may even overcorrect for you know what the service is and and uh, and so you know at a very broad level uh, when I react, when I see what happened here, it's the classic case of the absentee physician. And, right. uh, you know, you you le- read all the things that were k- present here according to the order, and there was no agreement between the doctor and the practice. The doctor wasn't ever at the location. The doctor, it does not appear uh, was involved in doing a good faith exam for new patients to clear the patients for these treatments. You had someone who was, uh, you know, an untrained person performing the treatments, basically an MA. Right. Uh, and then you had the geographic proximity. The doctor was, I think, 120 miles away or something like that. There's yep. several things in there that in of themselves in Texas are actually okay but you combine them all together and what you have is a doctor who is not doing anything. They're lending their license to right. the arrangement. And then when something goes bad, you can expect really bad things to happen like a like a suspension. Yeah. And 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 and, and Jay, I, I I do want to get your take on kind of the the you know how things have have progressed. But I think what's important to point out though is so you well, everything you said is true, Michael. The um as it relates to IV therapy, I think it it, it bears um, repeating that that this is because it's a relatively new treatment. I, I feel like there's probably, and I don't know this for certain, but sometimes folks will think that it's not a medical treatment. It doesn't fall in, or it's pseudo medical. It falls into this different bucket of things, and so you know. So with the physician being far away, all, all the stuff you said is, is one thing. I think with, you know, probably what they were thinking, well, it's IV therapy. It's not a big deal, but, you know, we do it all the time. But so, so Jay, what I would love, you know, just from you and, and for folks who are listening for the first time even is, is what's the, you know, what's the lay of the land for these types of treatments? Because really that, I mean, that's the issue. All the things that you said, Michael, are 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 100% accurate. Um, but, you know, if they were doing... Um, laser hair removal under different circumstances, it, it, it might be okay. And 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 with IV therapy, I, I what's kind of the lay of the land of, as far as how this is treated legally in Texas and other states? Yeah, so I think what going back to what Michael said earlier, the baseline is that it's the practice of medicine. I mean, we've been saying that for years now, and everyone, you know, we talked to so many, you know, mobile IV and IV hydration clinics and and you know, they would always, you know, push back and say, well, where does it say that? Or, or how does that, you know, how does that apply? And we've always said, look, you're putting foreign substances into someone's body. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if that's not the practice of medicine, then, you know, I, I don't know what is. Right. And so that sets the stage for how that procedure or that service is offered. And that's when this, when IV came up, came about, we had this really big kind of 
um, disconnect between the practice of medicine and the regulatory compliance requirements that, that come from that, that I'll talk about in a second, versus this retail-like walk-in, so, you know, the patient selects what they need and what they want, gets it done and walks out very much like a facial or a massage or, you know, or, or you know, a haircut or something that you just walk in, you say, I need this, someone does it, you walk out. And so there's that big disconnect. But when you say the practice of medicine, that creates all these different compliance rules that you you have to start playing with, one of which is that good faith exam that Michael mentioned. I mean, that is that is probably the biggest issue that I've seen with the IV in the IV space, because the good faith exam requires a prescribing provider to clear the patient. So you have talking about an MD, NP, PA. Right. In these IV clinics, that's not really the desire to offer the service. People want to get in, get out, have walk-ins, and they don't want to set up in a way to kind of go through that natural process. They don't want the patient to experience something like going to a doctor. But in the medical board's eyes and the nursing board's eyes, when it's the practice of medicine, you have certain obligations and duties to start doing that stuff. And you have to clear the patient and it has to be done appropriately by an individual who has prescriptive authority. And so when we see these questionnaires or these standing protocols or standing orders and we have, you know, RNs just, you know, trying to clear the patients, this starts creating that friction of the the non-compliance because you're not doing what the medical board and the nursing board say are required. And you'll when you read this this order, they touch on that about they talk about it in the sense of um, creating that doctor patient relationship. That's kind of the the the, the crux of it. But um, you know, kind of spin forward from these are the conversations we were having with clients for many years. Alabama, the medical board came out and wrote a very, very detailed and, and you know, as an attorney, well-written opinion on the legal compliance nature of IV hydration. And one of the premises was it is the practice of medicine. So right. we had our first medical board confirm in writing advisory opinion. Yes, it's the practice of medicine. And then they went through and they talked about the rest of the, the 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 good faith exam and then having proper training and education to be able to perform it. And they, they went through a, a long list carry forward. Now we have more states kind of following suit because this is a big deal in all states. So we have Mississippi that has come out and had another well-written opinion. South Carolina has come out, written another opinion. Arizona, North Carolina has an opinion. And so we're starting to see states take um, an, an active voice in this issue and really kind of alert. We, we see this in the federal government where they send out alerts on different things that are happening in the industry to kind of make people aware. And that's what we're starting to see with this with this IV retail clinic uh, issue is that these medical boards and nursing boards are starting to come out and put their, uh, you know, put their positions out there. And they've all been very consistent, consistent with this ruling here in Texas, even though the medical board hasn't specifically come out with an advisory opinion, but they all tend to follow the same. We've um, some of them even referenced the other ones. Um, and so it's it, it it's not surprising uh, if we get you know many more to continue to follow suit because this is such a big deal. And going back to you know the elective nature, one of the things that they've been pointing out is patients aren't medical professionals. I mean, we've all looked on WebMD and we've all gone on Google and self-diagnose. But right. the fact that they're walking in saying, I want that, I signed a consent, I'm a friend, going back to the the you know what you were talking about earlier, that doesn't absolve the medical professionals of their ethical duty to uphold the standard of care. Right, right. Well, and the, you know, 
this is interesting because it's um i mean texas has had its share of spotlight when it comes to these types of you know med spas and med spa investigations um and the medical board order that suspends the doctor as you said jay it kind of touches on some of these issues it doesn't come right out and say it explicitly so it doesn't say hey this is the, the practice of medicine it talks about you know prescribing drugs ordering drugs things like that it insinuates it certainly and the fact that the the fact that the license was suspended outright i think is a is a pretty big indicator but so how's it like i mean what's it how's it supposed to work so in, in like you're saying that we have to do this good faith exam, which 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 we understand has to happen. Um, but then there's other issues that are raised in this order as well. There's the, you know the type of license that the that the provider had or didn't have, right? There's the 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 distance that Michael mentioned between the physician and the um, and the provider. Like when it comes to IV, it, is it just because it's IV, or is it because there's prescribed medication going in there? What's kind of the four or five basic rules that, that that everyone needs to know if they're going to have an IV clinic, because what I can, I guarantee what's happening is someone's hearing this or reading it and they're like, oh my God, what, what are you talking about? And they're terrified because they're either thinking of doing this or they are doing it and they don't have this in place. So what's the, I mean, what's the basics just so we can get that done? I know you touched on it, but like, let's just kind of sum it up into a nice little package so folks can, folks can take it away. Yeah. So, you know, to sum it up, let's start with the top. It's the practice of medicine. Um, it's unquestioned. We'll call it the practice of medicine. And that's the reasoning and the background and the context for why we're about to talk about all the other things we're about to talk about. So IV is no different than Botox or, um, you know, any of the other uh, medical uh, aesthetic procedures that fall in the same. And, and so it doesn't matter if they're putting vitamin D in it or vitamin B in it or or whatever. It's it's the fact that it's being injected into the body. Right. Is that, is, exactly. is that fair? Yeah, exactly. We're putting a foreign substance into the body. And so we're, we're treating the practice medicine. So walking through the steps. Well, the very first step, again, the number one issue that, you know, we call it the Medsball Widowmaker. Um, we've had tons of conversations about it. This is where a lot of people are. It's the first place to get tripped up is that good faith exam, meaning you have a prescreening, you have a prescreening, you have a prescreening based on state law is, are, am I allowed to delegate this? And if so, is the person who I'm delegating it to allowed to be delegated it and and perform it? And then what's my level of supervision in order for them to do it? And right. so, you know, in Texas, in, you know, in a general sense, physicians have a really wide latitude in their ability to delegate. I mean, I could I could be delegated Botox under certain circumstances and perform it on Michael and be completely legal if I'm meeting all these different elements, same mm -hmm. thing with IV. So the, the fact that an unlicensed individual was doing it isn't necessarily in this situation, the per se issue, mm -hmm. but when you have unlicensed individuals in those situations, generally speaking, whether it's said or not, the boards tend to require a very heightened level of supervision. Because again, one of the things in the order, it said there weren't qualified medical professionals on site to handle potential issues. Right. And and whenever I'm having a conversation with a client, one of my key points is, look, here are the rules. And yes, possibly you could do it. But let's think about worst case scenario. And in this case, I mean, this is the worst case scenario. How would the medical board view your facts and think about it in the standard of care? And in this case, the medical board looked at all the facts and the totality of facts said, you know, there's a threat to public safety. And so we got to immediately suspend and, and, you know, and all that. 
every state's going to be different. Some states aren't going to allow an unlicensed individual to do it. It's just going to be RN and up. Some mm-hmm. states are going to require on-site supervision no matter what, even if you're an RN. Some states will be a little bit more hands-off. But it all goes back to, you know, what's the standard of care going to be like for a patient, for patient safety? And if something goes wrong, what what are those factors going to be viewed at by the boards if, if a complaint's filed? Hey everyone, let me take a quick second to share something really interesting for your business. Did you know that a staggering 74% of consumers shop on their phones while watching TV at night? That's like 7 out of 10 of your patients. But the real eye-opener here is that less than 1 out of 10 med spas actually sell their products online. Can you imagine the untapped potential of giving your patients the convenience to purchase treatments, services, or skincare right from the comfort of their own homes through your very own branded app? That's where RepeatMD comes in. RepeatMD is the fastest growing software in the medical aesthetics industry, and for good reason. RepeatMD is designed by e-commerce experts who have worked with renowned brands like Target, Nordstrom, and Neiman Marcus, and they'll build your practice its own mobile rewards and shopping app. Clients love RepeatMD, and patients love the experience RepeatMD provides. RepeatMD rewards patients for spending more, encourages them to come back more often, and helps them discover treatments they'll absolutely love. On top of that, your practice can sell memberships and offer financing for services all through your very own app designed and managed by the experts at RepeatMD. The bottom line is that RepeatMD enhances the entire patient experience while boosting your practice's revenue. They are game changers for your med spa. So what are you waiting for? Visit repeatmd.com forward slash amspa to book a quick product demonstration. And guess what? We'll have special pricing for medical spa insider listeners and you'll receive 50% off towards your first purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to repeatmd forward slash amspa today. What, so, um, and, and, and Michael, I'm curious, what do you, when you talk, you have clients all over who, who do this kind of thing, like what's the, what are you telling them? They see this, they get freaked out. Um, some of them probably aren't totally compliant. Um, you know, I, I know whenever we do do our boot camps and we have conversations about this kind of stuff, people freak out, understandably so. Um, what's the what's the advice to them in, in, in this situation, given, given what happened and what the kind of the temperature is right now in the country? Yeah, I mean... First, uh, a dose of empathy is needed from our perspective because it's confusing because Mm -hmm. uh, the reason it's confusing is that nurses from hospitals are used to kind of having standing orders to do IVs and EMTs are used to having a quote scope of practice in an emergency situation to doing IVs. And so I think you have to start with acknowledging that when you go into a private practice setting, it's completely different. When So we keep, Jay and I have said over and over, this is the practice of medicine. Because in our minds, that is, okay, now you're in a different world. And, uh, and so if you understand that, then it's just a matter of not cutting corners. And it's hard with IV hydration because the margins are not great. And so we understand when we talk about compliance, that um, that that's going to put pressure on the economics of what they're trying to do, uh, because, uh, you know, what you need to happen and what would have made the outcome in this case different, probably even with a patient that got hurt uh, or died is if you if you have a process for a good faith exam, every new patient needs to be seen by someone that has the scope of practice. We've done a podcast episode on a story with a client that reluctantly 
wanted to be compliant, didn't know how they were going to do it. They started the good faith exam for IV hydration and the doctor diagnosed the person as having a heart attack. They would have died had they gotten the IV and the doctor over telemedicine a video saved this person's life before getting IV. And the RN that was there thought the person was hungover, and that was the extent of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it does medically make a difference. It's not just checking a box. It's having someone who has that that expertise to uh, you know determine what's appropriate. And in this particular case, they might have known that that particular substance you referenced was not appropriate. I don't know. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't know the standard of care in specifically for this case of what you know, what the issues were, but, um, so you have the good faith exam. If you have that process in place, that changes the outcome. If you have a doctor that has a, in a relationship from the delegation supervision side, so that may be a medical director agreement and also is written protocols. I'm going to be delegating you as the physician, you, and in this case, an MA, which is allowed in Texas, but here's the steps you have to take uh, once we've cleared a patient to do it, that would have helped change the outcome. And then actually the fact that the doctor was 120 miles away in of itself is allowed in Texas, but you do want to have some plans. So when we have clients that are geographically not immediately available, which is kind of the standard in Texas, uh, they need to be immediately available by phone, but then you have to have a plan in place for a contingency if something happens. I mean, we had another client in Houston in the last year and a half that the the, the patient actually suffered a heart attack uh, while getting a different type of treatment in a med spa. And uh, they had processes in place and they had the kind of the, is it the AED device that they ended up saving this guy's life. And, uh, and they had a process to call 911. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, this patient ended up being super thankful uh, by what happened because he, he happened to be, you know, in a med spa when he was having a heart attack and that helped because they had all this in place and ended up saving his life. So it's really, um, you know, ha- the opposite of what I said earlier, the absentee physician, an engaged physician looks like what I just said, The all these little processes. Well, now, so what if in and and kind of coming coming at it from, you know, the med spa owner's perspective. Obviously, I can't imagine what she's going through. This is you know, this is a, a nightmare times a thousand, right? Um, what if final autopsy report comes back and it says, "Hey, she had whatever it was, and this was going to happen, and really nothing. It, there was no fault attributed for, for 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 whatever reason. You know, take, taking that as whatever fact we can get." Um, like, how does that change things? Because there, there are things that, that, that this, I mean, I haven't confirmed any of this, so I don't know if this is true, but according to what I saw on, on this news report, you know, the, the attorney for the, for the provider said that she had signed all the consent forms, blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, what's the impact of what the actual cause of death is on this? Because you don't want to speculate things can happen regardless. Um, but if it turns out that there's that this wasn't really any like malpractice on part of the doctor um, or, or the uh, or the provider, or is that just kind of established already by virtue of the fact that there haven't been these 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 protocols put in place? Well, I would 
I would say this, you look at your risk um, as kind of in three kind of areas. You have regulatory compliance, like medical board, you have civil liability, we use the word malpractice, and then you have criminal, which you mentioned earlier is in play. I suspect if this was found to not be the cause of death, that the criminal would go away. That would that would solve that, uh, right. take that out of the out of the realm. Um, and it may very well affect the civil lawsuit for malpractice if there was some intervening cause of death. I suspect it wouldn't affect the medical board investigation at all because the the reality is is that the patient dying brought to light their noncompliance and their noncompliance is there and out there and uh, and so I you know it it could potentially lower the penalties but I wouldn't bet on it. No, I I, I mean I had the same thought. I think it's. Um, the issue that 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 is here is that unfortunately this happened, and yes, it can happen anywhere, and it can happen if you have a doctor on site and things can. Happen. But in this case, that's not how it was. There was no doctor on site. There was no provider on site with a medical license, and so this happened, and that is what's going to cause this issue to be even worse. But um, nevertheless, like it's it's you know I. I want to be, you know, I, I want to be, as you said, sympathetic, a little empathetic to, to to the folks who are who are trying to put these things together. But at the same time, this is why we we always counsel folks that it's, you know, the the idea of compliance is not just something that you're going to be doing because you want to cover your ass in a specific a, a specific occurrence. It's because you just never know what's going to happen. And in this situation, had there been all the protocols in place. We, we don't know, but, you know, God forbid the patient may have died anyway, but they may not have. And so now we're in a situation where because they didn't have any protocols in place, they're in, you know, quadruple the trouble because um, this happens and things like this can happen in med spas. And it, it, it almost takes a certain it takes a certain outcome like this in order to draw, um, you know, to draw to, to, to shed light on it. So I don't, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest myths that we hear quite often is I've been in business X many years and never had a problem, so I must be compliant. Right. And I mean, these type of issues, you know, uh, angry patients, angry employees, angry business partners, uh, you know, these tragic events, these things are the things that you never plan for. They just happen. And when right. they when they happen and when they when when something gets reported, now the medical board starts asking questions and asking for documentation and asking for information. And you're behind the game if you're scrambling, trying to put in the compliant things that you need to make yourself look good if, if you've already gotten that complaint letter. And so, you know, what we tell clients from the very beginning is, look, you want to have your house in order from the very beginning, because not only will you sleep at night, you know that if anything ever happens just like this, it could be a complete tragedy that could never right. have you know, been avoided or you know couldn't be avoided but when they start looking at your facts and at your system you know with confidence hey i'm doing everything that i'm supposed to i know where my gaps are i've mitigated those gaps in a in a in a proper way and you can interact with the medical board the licensing board or a plaintiff's attorney in a malpractice suit they will they will use these violations and these these non-compliance as a way to 
try to show that there was some kind of blame or some kind of cause. And you want to you want to try to protect yourself in any way and using these, you know, compliance as a shield um, in that sense and saying, look, I'm doing everything correct. If something happened, that's just you know, that's just unfortunate all around, but it wasn't a result of something we were actively doing or not doing. Yeah, this, um, you know, obviously this is a, a tough situation and it's the kind of thing where we've, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, I, I wait for this to happen. And, you know, the next thing that's going to happen is there's going to be, you know, somebody is, is blinded by uh, an occlusion as a result of a lip filler or a, uh, you know, liquid nose job or something like that. And, um, you know, we already see like what's happening. There's, again, I can't confirm it, but I, but I guarantee there's, there's, there's people contacting their legislature right now, legislators right now saying, Hey, this is ridiculous. How, how can this happen? Even though, you know, most 99% of the time, these things are done, are are done completely compliantly and safely. It's just, you know, this is what happens. And this is why we have to get our house in order internally because otherwise like if 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 a news organization in dallas starts poking around at various iv clinics and med spas and finds out that basically all of them are operating like this like what's going to happen then there's going to the door is going to shut and it's going to be shut you know very hard and we're not going to like the result of it so you know, I I don't want to beat a dead uh, a dead horse too much on on, on this one. So I I'll, I'll, Michael and, and and Jay, I'd love to kind of get your final thoughts on this, just your final takeaways, and 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 we can leave it there. Obviously, there's there's we have a lot of resources on our website, um, Bertadato, um, and Legal One Two Three, which is your podcast, has has a bunch of information as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, anything else we should think about here, Michael? Before we yeah, I mean. To- I I would I, I have also heard Alex that uh, the husband of the deceased lady is working with legislatures for some sort of reform legislation. So again, I don't know any details. Uh, that's a super common scenario uh, when something tragic happens that to for legislation to come into place or for enforcement to increase. And so you know the one thing I would tell. Uh, our audience members who are hearing they have an IV hydration clinic or med spa and they kind of react to what we've been saying, thinking maybe I'm not compliant is don't put your head in the sand. Like if you will turn into it and just deal with it, it's very solvable. And we help clients all the time with becoming compliant and kind of endorsing a spirit of compliance uh what's amspa's phrase compliance is cool and uh, and it it does it it will help you sleep at night because uh this one is going to cause a way there's going to be a lot of stuff i think in the coming months that is going to be fallout from this incident Uh, but once it settles there's going to be something else in the future It, it it's the pattern that always happens yeah i mean i think we're you know I think one of the reasons that AMSPA exists, and, and it's something that, you know, we've been, this industry is moving so fast in so many different directions, it's tough to keep up with. But I think we need to make sure that we're on top of whatever legislation is is introduced. Because again, um, having some sort of clarification on how this works, whether it's a, an opinion, advisory opinion from the medical board or or a law itself, is not necessarily bad if it clarifies it and it makes it easy for folks to understand 
the the issue is is if it goes you know it, which is often what happens the pendulum swings way to the other side it goes way too far and they end up restricting a lot of things that that have nothing to do with this so um we'll be looking into that and reporting on on what we find jay what uh what are your final thoughts and takeaways on on this before we uh, sign off yeah I, if you're even if you're in a state that hasn't taken a position or or like texas hasn't had an issue you know keep in mind if you keep in mind it's the practice of medicine that's going to set you up for how to how to start thinking about compliance um and so you know I, not all states have taken a position I'm, it will be a matter of time before more states do but if you keep that in the back of your mind that informs kind of the rest of how you how you offer these services how you structure your business who you involve and that'll help you know get you from a a place of non-compliance to compliance yeah, and and I guess kind of I would say in 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 closing, and and of course if you have if you have any thoughts or comments on this, I I would love to hear it as well. Like there's been you know we posted this on the Amspa Instagram page, and there's just been a vociferous dialogue. Um, you know, some physicians coming out very very strongly and saying you know only physicians should be administering this kind of stuff; they should only be doing the treatments, and then other people saying other things, and obviously you know talking about an argument on Instagram comments, you don't want to get, you don't want to get too focused on that, but nevertheless, um, like I, I, I do. And, and just hearing about possible legislation and reaction to it, I, I do caution everyone to just kind of take a step back and understand what the facts are first. Like we got, let's figure out what happened. Um, and you know, some of the, sometimes, you know, these things can be the start of, 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 good positive information and regulation that, that that can help people understand what they need to do. And so let's, you know, let's make sure that we don't just, you know, totally overreact and start and and and, and start jumping on on people's um, you know, consciences because this is, you know, there's who knows what's going to come of this. But but I do think I do think it's vital for everybody to understand that this is this is why this is important. Compliance is important. This is why we exist in the first place. This is why you need to know what's going on because this stuff can happen. And who knows, maybe it could have been prevented. Like you said, with the other doctors who who prevented potential death or cardiac arrest from being administered with an IV, like we have to be careful. And, 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 and if this is something that can be prevented, then we need to do whatever we can to prevent it. Does that sound, does that sound fair to you guys? What do yeah, you think? Absolutely. I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate it. this is um, this was good uh, to hear from you. I know this is a tough, uh, a tough um, uh, topic to discuss for a lot of people. Um, we will have more information on this. We have a lot of information on our website already, AmericanMedSpot.org on our blog. We've got a whole like um, kind of resource page that actually links to some of the reports and some of the um, the opinions from Alabama, Mississippi, and Texas, and things like that. I know there's a few others which will which will have to get up there as well. Um, Bertadato uh, com as well has information, and then um, yeah. Anything else, guys? No. Appreciate you having yeah. us. Probably, having us. probably not the best like way to wrap this up. I'm still working on my ending, but you know I've got a lot. I've got a lot of work to do. I'm not quite as polished as you guys are in the med spa in the uh, the podcast area. Well, you, you, I don't know. You need a wrap or some sort of you know catch a wrap. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, or music, maybe something, some yeah, hardcore. There you go. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. This was awesome. And we'll talk soon again. Cool. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, Am Spa founder Alex Tiersch was joined by 
Jay Riero, and Michael Bird of the law firm Bird Adotto. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button. Then, receive new content when it happens. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.